welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And three weeks from tomorrow night, the sports world will descend on the city of brotherly love for the 2017 NFL Draft. Meanwhile, these next 22 days will consist of an eternity of lies and smoke screens about certain prospects and their connections to certain teams. And that's why we here at Sports Crunch with D. Crom are here to help show you whether or not you should buy the hype on certain prospects with our draft preview series. Today, in our third edition of the series, we look into the wide receiver and tight end classes. And to break down these pass-catching prospects, it's a pleasure to welcome back to the show my good friend Jake Arthur of ProFootballSpot.com. Great to see you again, Jake. How you doing? Hey, I'm great, bud. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure having you on the show, Jake. You're very welcome. And uh, let's uh, start with this uh, wide receiver class. And uh, the general consensus is that Three wide receivers are widely expected to go in the first round. Mike Williams of Clemson, Corey Davis of Western Michigan, and uh, John Ross of Washington. Do you share those expectations, and are there any other wide receivers you see going in the first round? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd share that notion that it's just pretty much those three that are the first-round guys. Uh, the, the class of receivers this year isn't very top-heavy like we've seen in recent years. Uh, but I, I feel like those three have kind of separated themselves as the main group of guys. Uh, you know, obviously John Ross's speed—you don't you don't see things like that very often. We saw a couple years ago uh, running, I believe, like a four-two-four, four-two-six at his pro day, vaulted Philip Dorsett into the first round. So speed kills, and then Mike Williams and Corey Davis, just their size and their well-balanced game, kind of you know, puts them in that discussion as well. Yes. Uh, do you see any other receivers going in the first round uh, that, uh, that might surprise people on draft night? Uh, no, I can't say that I do. Um, you know, I've kind of looked at, at some of these guys that have uh, round two stock, and I really wouldn't be able to justify any of those guys going in the first round, especially not with how deep some of the other position groups are. Uh, in this draft, and the, the draft as a whole is really top-heavy, but the receivers are not really among that. So I, I can't see more than just those three being taken in the first. Yeah, that's a very good point, given the depth that uh, other positions, including the tight end class, which we will explore in a little bit, uh, that will make would make sense to only see those uh, three receivers that we talked about go in the first round. But uh, which teams do you think should prioritize drafting a wide receiver early? Uh, okay. So if you take the, the kind of the big three into consideration, uh, you could really circle. I've honestly got close to a dozen teams here uh, who you could see take receivers. Uh, but some of the ones with the biggest needs, uh, you could say the Titans, they lost Kendall Wright this off season. Uh, the New York Jets, uh, the Bills really could use some dependability. Sammy Watkins always seems to be hurt, and they don't have a whole lot else outside of him. You know, they lost Robert Woods, and after Justin Hunter had a good year for them, he's also gone. Uh, you know, the Saints have a couple of picks in the round. I, I think you could definitely see them as buyers in the uh, in the receiver market. Uh, the Cardinals. You know, they'll need to replace Michael Floyd and, you know, they'll need to get ready for life after Larry Fitzgerald as well. Uh, the Ravens, uh, again, I, I mentioned the Titans. They've also got two picks. Um, 
that's kind of some of the main ones. I, I I do have one team that I don't know that a lot of people have talked about receiver, and that would be the Raiders. Uh, I think that would be an excellent landing spot for someone like John Ross. Uh, yeah, Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper on the outsides. And, you know, David Carr could really whip it. Uh, you have a guy like John Ross playing in the slot, stretching the field vertically. That kind of seems like a match made in heaven, something I was kind of thinking of earlier. Yeah, and another team that comes to my mind is the uh, San Diego Chargers, especially with uh, Keenan Allen seeming to be always hurt. Uh, they uh, need to fight that uh, alpha dog in the passing game as Phillip Rivers um, enters the twilight of his career. Yeah, that, that's that's true. I mean, Keenan Allen is, always seems to be hurt. They were lucky to be able to turn up Tyrell Williams and Dontrell Inman last year as a couple of reliable guys. Um, you know, Gates, you can factor him kind of in as a receiver as well. Uh, although he's more of a well-balanced tight end, Hunter Henry's kind of coming up, but they, they kind of lack a dependable true number one receiver, especially since Keenan Allen is hurt, kind of like you always said. Most definitely. And continuing on with wide receivers uh, for a moment on uh, last year's draft preview episode, uh, which you were on where we previewed the wide 2016 wide receiver class. You said your preference in a receiver is somebody who runs great routes as opposed to a measurable streaker, workout warrior, you name it. And uh, name some great route running technicians who you believe will provide great value outside the first round. Uh, outside of the first round, um, not not that uh, not that measurables aren't great, but you know, in, in my opinion, if you can't run routes, that's that's a huge red mark on on your record. Uh, but outside of the first round, a couple of guys who've kind of caught my attention with their route running, uh, Cooper Cup. You know, he's kind of everyone's underdog. He's a really good route runner. Um, and he's going to need to continue that in the NFL to be able to gain separation because he really doesn't possess great long speed. Uh, but him being kind of the technician that he is, that should really help him at the next level. Uh, Taewon Taylor is also a pretty decent route runner. Uh, but the one that I've seen that kind of sells his routes probably the best, uh, he isn't outside the first round, but Corey Davis, uh, he's a really good route runner as well. Um, you could also factor in Zay Jones, you know, with, with how, how many passes he catches, he's got to be able to run routes and get open as well. He is Jake Arthur, ladies and gentlemen, of ProFootballSpot.com. You could follow him on Twitter at JakeArthurPFS. And now let's move on to this tight end class. And, and this crop of tight ends is one of the uh, things that has me super excited about this year's draft. Uh, like uh, Eric Edholm of uh, Yahoo.com uh, wrote an article today with the headline that this tight end class is arguably the deepest in a decade. How deep is it in your eye? Uh, yeah, it, it is one of the deeper ones I've seen. You know, you, you can always get about maybe a dozen or so that, that get drafted, but I think we could see that number higher, and I think we could see that number higher among guys who aren't just kind of roster fillers, you know, tight end threes. I think you can you can get into day three and see guys who have, you know, long-term starting potential, uh, which is pretty rare. And, and you know, a, a lot of years you don't see tight ends taken until maybe the top of the second round, and it's kind of just out of necessity them being the, the top tight end there. Uh, 
there's a lot of these guys that would be in the top three tight ends in any class, even going into round two or three this year. Uh, so, yeah, in recent memory, this is probably the deepest tight end class I've seen as well. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, they say that uh, the spread and spread option uh, offenses in college, the proliferation of them, to be exact, uh, has uh, contributed to um, obviously quarterbacks, offensive tackles and tight ends uh, not uh, being uh, as pro ready as they used to be in the past. And uh, do you, does this new class of tight ends give you hope that the tight end prospects in the next several years will be better than what we've had uh, in the past uh, several years? Uh, well, I've, I've noticed a lot of uh, joker tight ends or, or guys who are just basically big wide receivers. Um, I don't know that we're going to see this new class, you know, give hope for change. But I think what they are going to do is make it so that the NFL kind of adjusts to the product it's receiving from the college ranks. Um, you know, I was I was going through my tight end rankings today and I just noticed there was not enough real quality blockers as much as there were guys that were just basically split out tight ends. You can't put a ton of these guys on the line and win that way. You're going to have you're going to have a lot of these guys going to real pass heavy offenses. Yes, that's um, primarily how tight ends are, are used. They, they're used mainly in the passing game as opposed to in line as big uh, mismatch nightmares uh, for defenses. That is one of the most important chess pieces to have in an NFL uh, offense. And, uh, it, uh, Jake, you just brought up a term that I personally heard a lot, but I am not a um, guru like you are in terms of uh, – uh, football uh, terminology. So w- would you, if you could further explain to our listeners what a joker tight end is, uh, that would be a very much appreciated. Um, my interpretation of the joker tight end is just kind of guys who they're not your traditional tight ends that have the well-balanced game where they can run block, pass block, uh, and go run routes and, and catch passes. They're kind of just these bigger wide receivers, um, you know, you can kind of throw Jimmy Graham into that mix, for example. Uh, guys like him, Kobe Fleener, uh, I, if I recall, I believe uh, Jordan Reed from the Redskins is kind of among that group, too. They're, they're guys who you can split them out wide or you can put them in the slot. They're technically tight ends, but really they're just created to be mismatches, Um just kind of out-muscling uh, their defensive backs. They're just bigger, wide receivers that you can split out wide and, and put all over the field, basically. As you can see, Jake has been on the program in the past uh, for a good reason. He definitely knows his stuff. And uh, continuing on with uh, these uh, tight ends, um, there are obviously two tight ends that are widely expected to go in the first round. One of them, obviously, Alabama's O.J. Howard, who I think is the exception to that rule you, ju- you just stated that I think he has the potential to become a super well-routed tight end in both blocking and receiving. And uh, it would be a shock to see him go in the top 10, if not sooner. And David Njoku of Miami, an athletic freak, uh, um, those are the two tight ends uh, that uh, 
most see going in round one, but also there are some other mocks that have Evan Ingram of Ole Miss going at the tail end of the first round. Uh, do you see Ingram or any other tight end sneaking into the uh, first round at the last minute? Uh, if, if any other tight end other than Howard and, and Joku was going to do it, it probably would be Ingram. Uh, there are a handful of teams there towards the bottom that could use him. Um, you know, Dallas is going to have to get ready for whenever Jason Witten uh, is gone. You know, he might have just got a new deal, but he's already pretty long in the tooth as it is. <laughs> um, you know, the Saints, there could be teams to, you know, teams picking towards the top of the first and in the second that trade back into the bottom of the first. Uh, but for my money, I probably would just wait because. Ingram isn't so special that you can't get another tight end pretty similar to him in the second or third round. Um, so if I was going to guess, I'd probably say no. Um, I, I think it's probably just going to be the two tight ends that stay in the first round. I completely agree, especially since uh, the evaluations from Ingram are very ambiguous. Some even look at him as a wide receiver as opposed to a tight end, and for good reason, given his uh, his size and his uh, 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 lack of experience playing in line. So uh, that is something I see as well. And uh, and obviously the days one and two of, of draft day are important. I say this with all my guests pretty much. But arguably you could say day three is the most important because if you get value in rounds four through seven, then that get, the deeper your roster will be and the better your chances of becoming a playoff team or, or, or even a Super Bowl contender in due course um, improve. Uh, so name some wide receiver tight end sleepers that could prove to be tremendous bargains on day three. Uh, when you start at the beginning of the of day three, um, Iowa tight end George Kittle could be around. Um, I, I see him probably being more of a, a round four guy. Uh, he is, I, I would put him in the group of the all around tight ends that they can pretty much do everything a traditional tight end is asked to do. Uh, blocking, catching, you know, kind of their whole deal. Uh, I, I think he is a guy, he could even sneak into the bottom around three. So I, I would definitely start my list with him. Uh, I also like Johnu Smith. Uh, I, I think he's got the capability of, um, you know, he's not much of a blocker, but he is kind of the new breed of tight end. Um, I really like him. You could throw uh, Michael Roberts and, and Billy Brown into that mix as well. And then someone who would kind of be a real late-round pick, uh, Cole Hikutini from Louisville. Uh, you could see him make his, his mark in there as well. Uh, some of these guys, you know, they have to improve their blocking, but they pretty much are today's tight ends. And how about some wide receivers that you think would be day three bargains? Uh, receivers from day three. Uh, Didi Westbrook, I think... I think the primary reason he would even be there on day three is pretty much just all character and off field things. Uh, you know, he's the reigning Bolitnikoff award winner from college football. So there is definitely skill there. Um, you could see, uh, I'm, I'm kind of high on, on Ryan Switzer, um, really good technical slot receiver. I, I think he could carve out a niche as, you know, that kind of, prototypical slot receiver that we've seen today. A little guy who can kind of stay close to the line of scrimmage and move the chains a little bit. 
Uh, Mac Hollins, he's kind of a do-it-all type of guy. Um, he's going to be another – he's going to be a special teams player too. Might wind up being that kind of Matthew Slater special teams ace kind of player. Uh, Travis Rudolph, I always really liked him at Florida State. Uh, he hasn't run very well and doesn't get great separation, but I just have I have a good feeling about him. Wouldn't be surprised if he pans out, even though he has not tested well. Uh, another one you could throw in Chad Williams from Grambling State in the mix. He's you know he's kind of a real active, feisty player, uh, a little big as well, uh, bigger than I guess your typical receiver uh, that has a lot of speed that we're seeing nowadays. Uh, another one, this guy's kind of interesting, uh, Amba Etatawo from Syracuse. Uh, next to no production at, at Maryland, you could say, compared to how he blew up at Syracuse uh, his final year. So that's another guy. Um, he's You see him ranked all over the place as well. It could be early day three, late day three, undrafted. Uh, those are some of my day three guys to keep an eye out for. He's Jake Arthur, ladies and gentlemen, of ProFootballSpot.com. He uh, covers the Indianapolis Colts as well as the NFL draft for ProFootballSpot. Follow him on Twitter at JakeArthurPFS. And uh, before we uh, move on here, um, another uh, tight end prospect that is catching a lot of people's eyes, especially the eyes of the draft Twitter community, as they say, is Adam Shaheen from Ashland. Is it Ashland University, Ashland College, whatever it is, it's a, it's a small school prospect. But uh, Mel Kuyper, in his uh, mock today, he actually had him going to my Broncos in round two. Uh, and uh, he called him like a rare talent. And uh, why do you think uh, Adam Shaheen is generating, generating so much buzz? I was actually just hoping that was the name you were going to say before you said it. Um, he's, he's generating so much buzz because if he played – at a normal D1 school, he would be a huge name. He'd be competing probably for first round, early second round consideration. Uh, he's getting comparisons to Rob Gronkowski. Uh, and, you know, when you, when you see a guy with his size and athleticism against these real small school guys against Ashland's competition, you kind of see that because Gronk's been so dominant in the NFL. Uh, but the guy, the guy can block. He is pretty fast for his size. Actually, for a tight end in general, he's again, like I said, he's big. He's he's kind of the total package, and he's an athlete, and he's big. So, uh, you know, he's he's really going to keep generating buzz here lately. I completely agree. And uh, do you also think it's possible that Shaheen could be drafted at like the close to the beginning of round two, given? Uh, uh, all the hype that surrounds him. Yeah, certainly anything is possible. Um, if you know, a, a more of a traditional running team could look at him and maybe they, maybe they value him as their the third or fourth tight end on the board because he can block and a lot of his peers in the second and third round discussion don't block very well. So it's certainly possible for him to be put above those other guys on teams' draft boards. Well, Jake, thank you once again for joining us. And uh, But before we go, we're going to play a little game, but it's called Absolutes. And obviously there's no such thing as absolute, but uh, I'm talking about absolute relative to the mind of uh, Jake Arthur here. So uh, 
We're, we're going to discuss a certain ability, and you're going to name the prospect in the wide receiver tight end group who you believe has the best ability out of out of them all. So uh, which wide receiver tight end prospect has the best hands? All right. Um, I'll give you one of each. Um, we'll go ahead and say that Zay Jones has the best hands for a wide receiver. Um, again, that that guy just seems like he lives with a jugs machine. Uh, best hands going to go with OJ Howard on that one. Uh, heard somewhere today, his, his drop percent for as a tight end was only like 3% among catchable balls in the average for tight ends, like 11%. So you, you don't often get your number one prospect. Who's actually the best at everything, but OJ Howard actually is. Which wide receiver tight end prospect has the best route running abilities? Uh, route running. Uh, wide receiver, from what I've seen, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Corey Davis uh, for for tight ends. I'll, I'll pretty much give you the top guys again, O.J. Howard and Njoku. And uh, Bucky Hodges could actually be put into that group as well. He's another joker tight end, so runs, runs plenty of routes and is split around the field quite a bit. How about blocking skills? Blocking's an underrated concept for wide receivers, after all. Yes. Uh, blockers. Uh, I really like what I see out of Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, you know, he came to USC as a safety. And, you know, he kind of plays the game, especially when he's engaged in blocking, like one of those tougher, strong safeties. So I love how he blocks. Uh, and then tight ends, O.J. Howard is also the best blocker in the class. I completely agree. His blocking blew me away when I um, watched uh, some of his film, and that's why I think he goes um, as early as the top uh, six to eight picks. And mm -hmm. how about, uh, uh, yes, uh, we don't we try not to put too much stock in this, as we alluded to earlier, but how about athletic measurables? Uh, let's see. Uh for tight ends, uh, David Njoku is kind of known as the athletic freak. Um, Evan Ingram as well, you know, being basically just a big wide receiver. Uh, the obvious answer, another one for tight end is going to be Howard because he's a good tester and he's got great size. So that's, you know, that's going to kind of fill out his athletic profile. Uh, someone who's probably underappreciated as a receiver I'll say Chris Godwin on this one. He's He's got a really good athletic profile. Oh, God. Every time you mention O.J. Howard, you make me think that he should go in the top five, actually. And that's not and a joke. He very may well. And I honestly don't see him leaving the top ten. Um, neither do I. Like uh, that mock draft that, that PFF had earlier today that showed him falling to 20 to my Broncos, I said, uh, don't get your hopes too high, David. There's no way a guy that talented falls that far. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I mean not to not to say anything negative about anyone or anything, but I, I think a lot of people probably rank their boards on on analytics and things, and sometimes you just got to go with your gut and and kind of tell where someone's going to go. And there's no way I see Howard leaving the top ten, definitely not the top fifteen. Um, most definitely. And how about? The best slot receiver. You mentioned Ryan Switzer. Anybody else to come to mind? 
Uh, Switzer would be a, a good mid-round find as a slot receiver, but you got to put John Ross up there. Um, John Ross and, and Cooper Cup. Ross, because of his sheer speed alone, might play quite a bit outside. Uh, but it's it's sometimes it's a lot better to get those guys in the slot to just cook the nickelback or the safety. Uh, Cooper Cup, since he is probably... I mean, depending on who you ask, he's probably not going to be a burner. Definitely not as dominant as he was in college. So if he can, if he can make a living as a slot receiver, receiver, that will probably be his route to be the most successful. Which uh, wide receiver tight end prospect is the best boundary receiver? Meaning he can work the sidelines very well. Um. I'll give I'll, I'll I'll give that to both Corey Davis and Mike Williams. Mike Williams is going to be your your best big body go up and get it receiver, and that includes on the boundary. But Corey Davis, even though he moves around pretty much everywhere, uh, I think he's the number one receiver in the draft, and he is primarily a boundary uh, receiver. Uh, what about tight ends that work the boundary well? Uh, well, we'll we might as well skip the obvious uh, Howard and, and Joku. Uh, we'll go with Ingram, uh, Evan Ingram, and Bucky Hodges on on this one. Sounds good. And aside from John Ross, who obviously broke um, uh, Chris Johnson's um, record in the forty-yard dash at the combine this year, aside from John Ross, who is your best deep speed receiver and home run threat? Uh, if we're going off guys who will probably make a living being that big play threat. Uh, once Curtis Samuel kind of completes his transition to being a full-time receiver, he'll probably be up there. Uh, KD Cannon from Baylor's is probably another guy you could mention there. Uh, and then maybe Isaiah McKenzie, little guy from, from Georgia. And I'll throw Chris Godwin in there again. He's got enough speed to beat guys deep, so. That, that could be a group of, of fast guys that you see be successful at the next level, beating or beating secondaries deep. And uh, in case uh, you left anybody out, uh, does anybody else come to mind, especially for punt return or kickoff return duties? Uh, well, Curtis Samuel will probably be pretty successful as a punt returner, I can imagine. Um, our Darius Stewart is another guy. I uh, might also be able to put Carlos Henderson in there. He's he reminds a lot of people of Corey Coleman from Baylor last year. Uh, he could just fight his way out of a phone booth. He, he's he's really effective at getting free when engaged. So he's another one that you might see be a good, pretty good punt returner. He is Jake Arthur, ladies and gentlemen, profootballspot.com. Follow him on Twitter at JakeArthurPFS. We thank Jake once again for donating his time and knowledge to our program. And that does it for this edition of Sports Crunch with D. Crom. But we will be back with another edition of our draft preview next week um, with a guest yet to be determined. But in order to find out who that guest is, please follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and uh, also be sure to check out our complete broadcast archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com, and that is Crunch with a K. For Jake Arthur, our man of the box, our producer, Chris Broadhead, I'm David Cromlow saying so long and stay awesome. Stay awesome.